0: All right. Can you hear me? Awesome. All right. So um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Mark Johnson, and uh, my wife and I, we lead the children's ministry uh, here at the church. Um, Unfortunately, Jamie's not feeling well this morning, so she can't be here um, as much as she would love to share uh, what we're going to share today, Um, but uh, I'm going to try to share her part as well. Um, But um, I just want to say, uh, before we kind of roll into stuff, I just want to first say thank you to the church, and I know the Neelands also uh, echo this, that we're super grateful for the opportunity. Uh, Last weekend, we went to the International Youth and Family Ministry Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, It was a phenomenal time, just getting to, uh, it was chock full of classes um, and discussion groups, but also just time to fellowship and meet with other people that are also serving in some kind of youth ministry, whether it's the middle school, high school, or Uh, Children's ministry, it was just a phenomenal time, so we're absolutely grateful for that opportunity. And so this morning, though, um, so I'm going to start off, I'm going to share a few things uh, that um, we took away from the children's ministry piece, and then uh, Kelsey and Gary are going to come up and they'll talk about uh, what they uh, got from the conference as well. Um, So I am uh, playing single dad today, um, so I'm a little, (laughs) so just trying to. Remember what I'm doing here. Um, It's been it's it's been a morning. Uh, So, um, but what's really great is the uh, they they kind of broke off um, at the uh, the children's ministry piece initially, and they they talked about uh, when they started the children's ministry piece. They talked about um, pear trees. Um, I didn't know this. I'm not a grower of fruit uh, myself, but uh, actually. Pairs can take from the, from the time that they're planted till the time they actually produce fruit is anywhere from like three to ten years. Just depending on the variation in the soil and all that stuff. And what was great though, is they talked about how children's ministry is not a ministry that immediately bears fruit. Right? We're not having baptisms back there. In case you're wondering what we're doing back there, we're not having, we're not having baptisms. At, uh, and, and so, but what we are doing is we're planting seeds. Okay, and um, one of the things that's been very encouraging over the last few years, I'd say probably the last, I don't know, maybe seven, maybe ten years, is even with the the youth and family focus they've had, children's ministry wasn't even initially kind of brought into that. It was primarily just high school. Mm -hmm. Eventually, they started pulling in middle school. And probably, honestly, within the last maybe seven, like I said, seven to ten years, children's ministry was finally kind of started getting rolled into, like, hey, we should really look at this from a holistic youth standpoint. And I say that to say because the church has been around a little bit longer than a decade. And unfortunately, what, what that means is that children's ministry in the past has been pretty much rele- relegated to, hey, you're a babysitting service for the parents while they go into service and do their thing in there. We just need someone to watch the kids while the parents are worshiping. And that's how things kind of ran for a really long time. Um, they'd have Bible lessons, and they you know, they try to have it you know, Bible-focused, but it wasn't really seen as a ministry. It was just something for the kids to do while the parents go have church. Um, so thankfully, amen, that has been slowly changing um, over the last few years. Um, because I really believe, just as much as our movement started in the campus ministry, I believe that our movement is going to con- only going to continue to flourish and grow with a focus on the youth. Right. Yeah. That, that we've got to start young and we've got to be able to plant those seeds um, at a young age. Um, this is a quote. Um, so, one of, the, one of the messages that really hit home to me, which I'm going to share most of today, uh, was actually Saturday morning. This is a quote from that message. It said When children have a listening companion who hears, acknowledges, and encourages their early experience with God, it creates a spiritual footprint that shapes their lives. That's really what we try to do in, in, with the children's ministry. That it's not just about teaching them about Jonah or the ark. Or all these kind of these stories that we that we kind of think about when we think about children's ministry. What we are trying to do is help them experience God and, and create that that seed at an early age that will hopefully grow into something very beautiful and long lasting in their lives. But it starts, and it's not something we see immediately. And that's something that um, I think is very important because I, 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 as I've been talking through all this, it's only been probably in the last. I don't know, maybe three or four years, that we've even seen even some of the larger churches even have ministry staff just dedicated to children's ministry. It's been heavily volunteer-driven, and it's just people who have a heart for working with the children. It's Again, it's only been in the last few years we've seen actual dedicated people on staff really focusing on children's ministry. And really this last year in Orlando at the at the big international conference, it was only last year that the, that the children's ministry actually got to speak with the international leadership conference piece of that and talk about it as a ministry in front of all these, you know, all these, and, and, and kind of recognized as a ministry amongst the amongst that that ILC kind of track that they do. So it's still very much a a thing that we need to really look at and say, are we really dedicating the resources to our youth ministry as much as we do the other ministries in the church? I'm not up here to say that we need to dump everything else and fire Jeff. I want to and, and focus on youth ministry. What? I'm, <laughs> But what I'm, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying though is that youth youth ministry though needs to have that needs to have the same level of focus as any other ministry in the church, and not just be a a babysitting service, you know, for the church. Amen. So that's really what a lot of the time was talking about is how do we do this? How do we help create um, experiences for kids so that they really get a deeper spiritual understanding of who God is, and. Um, One of the things that really hit home to me, and we're going to talk about here um, for the majority of my time, is really focusing on the goodness of God. This is, uh, we're going to turn over to Psalms uh, 78. And starting in verse 1, it says, My people, hear my instruction. Listen to what I say. I will declare wise sayings. I will speak mysteries from the past, things we have heard and known And that our fathers have passed down to us. We must not hide them from their children, but must tell a future generation the praises of the Lord, his might, and the wonderful works he has performed. He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children so that a future generation, children yet to be born, might know. They were to rise and tell their children so that they might put their confidence in God. And not forget God's work, but keep his commands. And that's really what children's ministry is. It's, it's, it's about teaching the next generation about how amazing God is. Yeah. That he's not just this God out there somewhere that, you know, he created the universe and he created all these animals that we like, but know that there's, a, there's an experience you can have with this God. That's right. And... Um, and this was also a call back to Deuteronomy, right, where it says that, that you, need to, you need to be impressing these things on your children. Speak about it when you're at home, when you're out and about. It needs, this needs to be on your hearts. It needs to be taught in your families. But this, was, but this was also spoken to the community of Israel. This wasn't just, okay, you as a parent, you need to raise your child to be godly, and then we're going to go to the synagogue and, and, and have our thing. It was, no, the community was involved. This was not just, while the parents absolutely have a role in raising their children, it is a community involvement to help with the youth. But I think one of the things, and this honestly really hit hard for me, uh, as someone who, um, well, I've said this before and I'll continue to say it every time I'm up here, I'm a recovering control freak. Um, and I struggle with, especially with having uh, very energetic boys who you've all have seen. Um, they don't like to be controlled a lot, and I struggle with that. I'm like, would you please just listen and obey? Just one time, just once, can I get you to obey? And But what really challenged me um, is am I overemphasizing obedience to my kids? This is another quote that says, "What is it about the foundations we lay that communicate to our children that there are limits to God's goodness and that our obedience is more important than His loving redemption?" It is so easy to focus on the on the, these Bible stories and things that we teach kids about. You just need to obey God. If you just obey God, if you just do what He says, things will be will, will go good for you. And while that is in general true-ish, the reality is that's not how life works. Right. Even if you obey perfectly, which none of us have, life is still hard. You're still going to deal with hardships. But the problem is when we start overemphasizing obedience, it creates this this mindset of becoming a rule follower. Well, if I just obey God's laws and I just obey my parents, then things will be okay. That's not true. It might go better in some cases, but it's not a guarantee that life's going to be better for you. And so what we do is we can – it's easy to start overemphasizing obedience to Scripture and not emphasizing the fact that God is good, that he has mercy, that he is a compassionate God, and that he wants to redeem those that do do wander and that have fallen, that he is a God of reconciliation, and focusing on those those things. But that's hard because that means I need to let go of control. I need to let my kids make mistakes. They need to be disobedient and then have proper correction. They need to have the ability to be free within safe boundaries to say, hey, you can be a child, and you can learn and grow, and we're going to talk about how great God is. And so when you do mess up, it's not that, hey, you're a bad kid. No, it's, hey, you just messed up. Let's talk about I'm going to show you some mercy. I'm going to show you what God does for me. I want you to see that in your life as well. So you start creating these patterns of, hey, it's more about the goodness of who God is and less about just following rules all the time. Because I think the other thing that can also happen, too, is when we start adhering to to rule following, it also becomes about the church and less about God. You just need to come to church. Just come to church and go to class and go do these things and and you'll be okay. But what ends up happening is their faith starts getting rooted in the church, because I'm supposed to go, go to church, go to church, go do these things with the church, go to this, this ministry event, whatever. And if we're not, again, if we're overemphasizing the rule following and the, the going to do these activities over who God is, their faith starts getting rooted in the church that will ultimately fail them. Right. Yeah. We are broken people, and we will end up hurting each other. We all know this. Yeah. And what happens then is the youth starts thinking, well, hold on. I thought the church was where things were supposed to be better. I thought the church was where I'm not supposed to get hurt anymore because these are full of people that follow God. I don't understand why is this happening and doubt creeps in. And these because the faith is rooted in the church and not who God is. And so that's what we that's what we need to be talking about with with all of our with all age groups is it's about who God is. It's not about the church. It's not who's in the church, who's not in the church, how the church is doing. None of that ultimately matters. It's about who God is. And what are the promises that he's given us? And that's what our faith has to be rooted in. And that's what we need to be teaching our kids is our faith is rooted in who God is because he's consistent. He is perfect in that. We are not. And so when we talk about focusing on obedience over goodness, right, we create this controlling situation. It becomes about behavior modification, right? It's, It's about sin management. If I just stop sinning, I'll be okay, right? If I can just stop these things, I'll be better. And um, one of the things they talked about, I never heard this before, so I'm just going to regurgitate it because um, there are people smarter than I am. But it creates this idea. is called moralistic therapeutic deism. I'm going to break this down for you, okay? Um, if you're – you may know what this is. If you do, you can correct me where I'm wrong. Um But the idea is, okay, so being moralistic. Moralism is the idea that the purpose of religion is to create moral human beings where being moral and upstanding is the goal. So when you behave morally, God is pleased with you, and when you don't, he's not. And we can do this with kids when we say things like, well, you make God sad when you don't fill in the blank." And so then it becomes about their, more, about their moral behavior, right? It becomes about their behavior of, okay, if you did something wrong, then God's going to be sad. And it teaches them, okay, it's all about how you behave. If I just behave right, then I'm okay. Therapeutic is, as it sounds, right, religion is meant to make me feel better. If I come to church, I'll just, you know, and I'll be around people, I'll just feel better. And if, But if I don't feel good, I don't want it. Obviously lordship and denial of service denial of self don't fit into that in that mindset, right? Because those are uncomfortable. But we start creating this mindset of well it's just about behaving properly and if I could just feel good because the church makes me feel good and the church is not going to you know because our faith is in the church and not God, then it's all about me feeling good and feeling better about myself and not about what's real. Right? And lastly, uh, deistic, right, where God is a deity. He's far away. He might show up when things are really rough, but, you know, he's just this big God, and it's not about a daily connection. So what happens when we focus on, on behavior and we don't, we don't reinforce how good God is, we start creating these, these little people who think it's all about um, behaving good, and if I just come to church – and I just, you know, show up and God will be here sometimes and I'll just, you know, and I'll just be a good person. I'll be okay. And it becomes this very pharisaic look at Christianity where it's all about list following and if I just do these things and God will be happy and I'll be okay. And we forget that it's about who God is. Right. And so when we talk about um, from a children's ministry standpoint, I think that's one of the things that I have I've brought back is, okay, when we look at the things that we're teaching, right, it's not about – Okay, go be like Abraham because he was faithful. Or go be like Noah because... Or go be like... But no, let's talk about what those stories really mean, right? It's, hey, let's go talk about Jonah and the big fish. I don't know. Let's, let's talk about what is the story behind Jonah. Jonah left God, but God still pursued him, right? And even when he finally came back and did what he was supposed to do, he had a bad attitude about it. But God didn't say, well, forget you. You just go have your bad attitude. No, he went to him again. And he tried to present to him again, like, "Hey, what's going on, man? These people just repented. That's awesome." Now we don't know how that story ended, but the story, but part of that story is that God was continuing to go after and seek that that relationship with Jonah, and he because he loved Jonah because God is good, and those are the things that we need to be teaching our kids about. And when we talk about these different stories, is let's talk about who God is in the story, and not just how great Adam is or. Abraham or Moses, and those people were, were fantastic. I'm not saying we downplay that, but God has got to be the focus. Amen? So I'm going to leave you with one last thought um, because I could spend another half hour on this next topic, but I don't have that kind of time. Um, is I really encourage you guys, um, as Jeff mentioned earlier, go out to YouTube. Go to and search uh, North River Church of Christ uh, just Youth and Family Ministry Conference or something like that. Um, the, the main messages were recorded and they're on their YouTube channel. Specifically, as we're talking about reaching the youth, there was a the message on Saturday night that was uh, incredible. It was challenging, and it was uh, it kind of it was a bit shocking as far as it was from the Barna Group and they did this huge survey talking from th- 13 to 17 year old kids about what, how they feel about the church, how they feel about the Bible, um, and really how do we reach this this next generation? And it was very shocking what came out of that out of that that study and I think it, it's very eye-opening when we talk about how do we need to reach the youth so instead of me come up here and telling you all the things I got out of it I encourage you guys to please go watch that and then I would love to have conversations on that amen amen <laughs>
1: not do a power point. (laughs) He's on top of that. I had to bring my water up to... I had to bring my water up today because we had a teen girl hangout last night that got pretty crazy. And we were throwing down some fishbowl. But um, I wanted to share about my friend Jordan who... uh, down from Mizzou this weekend and it was super encouraging and it was her birthday and she's gonna be so happy I'm sharing this about her but but I think why I was so encouraged and I kept telling her like it's such a big deal that this campus student from Mizzou came drove Five hours down just to hang out with our girls. Just to... She did a Bible study with Sophia. She did one-on-ones with people. She was going all day yesterday. And it's just so encouraging the people we have in our family who love us. And I'm just saying, if we need a Youth and Family intern, we would. I mean... (laughs) I would recommend her, but I think the kids would even more. So just throwing that out there. I got good ideas. Uh, but it, this conference in Atlanta was so encouraging. It was so encouraging to be around people who just love our kids and love the youth. And that is, oh, i you know, And that is their priority and our focus, because that's ours as parents. Like our kids, that's what we're focused on. That's what we're worried about. And that there's hundreds of people everywhere that are praying for us and are in the same battle together. I think uh, what was really encouraging is that this group of, uh, I don't know, Youth and family ministers, volunteers, their focus was to help us learn how to create an environment where kids feel accepted, encouraged, where they see the goodness of God, and not just to make disciples. I think we have a really bad habit in our ministry of ignoring kids till they want to become a disciple. Or until they say, I want to study. And then we're like, hot dog, we're in. But that's not the kind of ministry we want to create. Right. I think we, um, we don't do a great job of creating a ministry where we accept everyone from economic status to race to whether they're questioning gender or sexuality. I think those things make us uncomfortable So we can say you get in this box and then come with us. And I'm not saying we change our convictions. But I'm saying Jesus, when he met with the sinful woman, didn't say, Well, I love you, I just don't love what you're doing. He was there to accept her first and show her the love. We want if our kids are questioning, because they are. The pressures of being a teenager right now are unreal. And the kids are dealing, well, one, they're dealing with things we never had to deal with. But also, the things that we did have to deal with, like cell phones and all that, we got to deal with it when we were grown-ups. And we got to deal with that pressures when we were somewhat balanced. There's so many bullying is at another level right now. And I think we don't, so I say we, but I mean I want to do me because it's easy to say all of us, we don't as a congregation, but do I as a person create that environment where everybody feels like they can come to us because that's who God was. Um, I wanted to share Mark, verse 30. And this is one of those Kingdom Kids stories that we have taught a lot of times in um, our classes because it's a good one. It's about Jesus feeding the 5,000. But I'm going to pick it up in verse 30. Um, oh, no, nope, 35. Okay. It says, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countrysides and the villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we going to go spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. And what I love about this is Jesus asked them what they had. It's easy for me to go to like a conference like that and be like, oh, I wish we had youth and family ministers, and I wish we had these campus students that are, like, loving to get with their kids. If we had that ministry, our kids would be doing great. My daughter would be doing so good. And it's easy to look at what everybody else has and how much better that works. But that's not what Jesus does. He says, what do you have? And even I love the disciples' response because he, they're overwhelmed when they say that. That would take more than a half a year's wages. But Jesus doesn't go with what freaks them out. He just goes back to, what do you have? And I think, um, so our daughter is new to high school, and so we're new to the high school ministry and youth and family, and it it can feel really overwhelming. And if you're like, I don't think you and Gary should be leading, we're like, we are unified with you on that. We feel (laughs) so out of our element, and it's so vulnerable. It really is. Because youth is so important to us. But then what do I do? How do I connect? And so I want to go through some of my thought processes. And just to be honest and real, I do feel like God has given me a heart for the youth. I love our kids. But I don't know if I always um, portray that to them. You know, I can plan events, and I can organize things, but am I portraying that love to them? So we went to camp this year, and I wanted to reach out to someone and really connect with them, but I didn't have any type of relationship with them. But God just kept putting it on my heart. So I, like, texted this person, and I was so insecure. I was like, they're going to think, why is this girl texting me? They're going to be like that, uh, she's like my mom's age. (laughs) They're going to not have any desire, because I've worked in teen ministry before, and I used to be cool. And I think I, well, I did. You can ask my mom. I was totally cool. i just came, but I put a lot of confidence in that. And like, I was young, and in campus, and teens wanted to hang out with me. And I was driving to this person's house, and I was like so insecure. I was just going through all these thoughts, like there's Like, my daughter's your age. There's a mom coming to just hang out with me. And I think we can let all those things get in the way. And I don't feel like she thought that at all. I think she was just encouraged to be seen. And I can look at everything that I can't do and I don't have the ability to do. But I do have the ability to connect. And I get insecure because teens look really cool. And they always look busy and I don't know if they have their headphones in and I don't know if I should go up and talk to them Mm -hmm. but we should because we should just connect we should just care and make sure that they are seen and not get in our heads about what we're doing I think the only um, something that I have been really working on is because youth, our teen ministry is so important to me, I can personally be like um, the parable of the sower and the, the seeds that fell on the rocky or thorny that were choked with life's worries as they came up. And I think growing up, I read that as like, oh, the worries that choke you out are just, You're just not doing enough. But I don't think that's what God was saying. I think we legitimately have worries and struggles in life. And so what I am trying to do, instead of letting those things choke me out or overwhelm me and make me want to pull back and those tapes start going, of, see, I I never should have done this. I knew I wasn't going to be able to follow through. I knew I couldn't make an impact is just walking with people through the struggles. Um, Our family is a part of a separated home, and there are struggles with that that I don't feel like everybody always understands. And I can get, I don't know, bitter, I can get in bad attitude about, like, they don't even get what I'm doing. They don't even understand, like, how hard this is. But They're not supposed to because it's not their story. I'm supposed to share it with my friends, with the other parents, as I walk with them. And as I've been doing that, I've never had, I've never shared with a parent that, like, I feel overwhelmed and emotionally flooded. I'm sorry I didn't get back to you earlier. No one has ever said, well, you probably should have made that group me post. Or, yeah, why didn't you do this? People just walk with me. And I think we make these assumptions about people when they just don't know our story. I don't know what it's like to have triplets. I don't know what it's like to be a minister's kid. I think I don't... There's so many things we don't know about each other because we're not supposed to. But we're supposed to walk with each other through the struggles and share it and not put so much focus on... Our success as a parent or as a ministry person based on what we were able to do or plan. But just that we're walking with each other through our weakness and we're just caring about the kids. So, God.
2: Well, good morning. Good morning, Gary. So, my name is Gary. I am Kelsey's husband, who just spoke. And you got to hear a little bit from Mark. You got to hear a little bit about Kelsey. Mine's a little different. But, uh, yes, so we got to go to the International uh, Youth and Family Ministry Conference, and it was amazing. It was amazing. There was uh, over 200 people there who love kids, who are in ministries, and who just really want the best for our kids. You know, I wasn't really going to share this. Kelsey made a good point. You know, we do come from a separated home. You know, leading um, youth and family, I can feel like a fraud. And the reason why is because I'm Jackson and Sophia's stepdad. And that comes with some real unique challenges. It's like, oh, I'm not the real dad. You know, I'm not the one who makes decisions when it comes to – life decisions right you know their dad does that and it's hard for me because i can come into youth and family and i get with dads and i get with this and they have all these struggles and i just think to myself like i that's not even i don't even deal with that like i mean i don't i mean i'm in the family and doing this but it can easy for me to feel like a fraud um just because i am not the real dad and I know that that's Satan I'm probably the only person who really focuses and thinks on that but man is that such an insecurity even as we go to youth and family events and things you know, it's easy for me to be like man I'm not the real dad and uh, Satan is a really good way of kind of choking that insecurity in me so um, that is not even what I was going to share so, uh, but I think that's important I think that's important. Yeah. You know, what I'm talking about today is what we call generational faith. Okay. Um, and breaking that lineage of that gap of generational faith. And so, you know, I come from – so a little bit about me. So I was raised by a single dad. So he had me at 19. I never knew my mom. Um, and he raised me up. I'm an only child. Come on. Um, yeah. Our stories are more similar than probably you even think. Um, And so, uh, a 19 year old uh, had to get his life together and raise me up. So, uh, he became baptized into this conglomerate of churches that we go to today. And um, as a young child, I was able to have and continue that generational faith. My parents, or my dad, um, is a, a great disciple, and I've learned so much from him. And so he got baptized in, like, 1992. You know, I think at that age I was, like, nine years old. And so I was able to grow up. So you would call me basically a second generation in this church. And um, in my 20s, I left. I left the church. I didn't want anything to do with it. And, man, did I make terrible terrible choices i left a path of destruction for more than a decade for more than a decade and i know that it's easy to think man i have older children who are not part of the church they don't think about god that was me all the way through my 20s into my 30s and um The crazy thing is, is my parents, so my dad got married when I was 19 years old, and so Cindy is my stepmom, but she is my real mom. She's all I've ever really known when it comes to mom. And so they never, I mean, they were not hounding me. They didn't ask me to come to church. They didn't ask me to do these things. But what they did was every week they invited me over for dinner. And I came over sometimes, and, you know, sometimes I – Was out making bad decisions. But what they did was they were in my life just enough to know that we love you. And we want what's best for you. And so over the dinner is where really in my 30s I start to slowly be converted. Not through sitting in a pew, listening to sermons telling me what I'm doing wrong. Not in a, a family group, a house church, none of that. It was going to my parents' house and having dinner talking about life, school, work, am I dating someone, things like that. And that's all they, they were interested in my life. And over time, and it took years, it took years, I decided to start coming back to church without them ever asking. Into my 30s, I decided to come back. I was eventually restored, and I've been, you know, and my life has been blessed then. I reconnected with Kelsey, known her since I was nine years old, and we were able to, you know, just all that reconnection in my life is great. Here's, here's the thing. You know, we, as, as parents, as, you know, I think about um, Sophia and Jackson and wanting the best for them. I know that we have our own stories. And I want to read two verses in Ephesians chapter 1. And in verse 5. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Now, I want you to fast forward to verse 11. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance. And he makes everything work out according to his plan, not to your plan, not as a plan as a parent, as a brother, a sister, a mom, a dad. God has his own plan. And I am living proof, I am living proof that you may have this idea, man, my kid needs to be a disciple, it needs to be in this church, and doesn't make all these mistakes that I made as a parent. But God has his own plan. Right. Amen. And so the reason I tell you that is we have these generational faiths, right? And maybe you're, your own child is is not continuing. There's this gap. There's this break in generational, this lineage of faith. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that it won't ever be reconnected. Yeah. It won't ever. And it might take 10 years. It might take 15 years. But as parents and as youth and family ministers, I mean, just like Kelsey and Mark, child, that's that's what our job is to do, is to connect. <laughs> it isn't to rain, fire, and brimstone. It's to connect. Come to dinner. Bring your kid. Maybe you're a grandk- or a grandparent or soon-to-be grandparent. You know, bring them in your lives. And we have this way to connect and to grow our youth and family ministry in ways that not even us understand right now. And so we are very grateful to have been able to go to this youth and family. If you didn't know, the church did pay for us to go. And it, it really opened up a lot of ideas of how we can really connect better. And Kelsey talked about it. I mean, last night we invited all the teen girls to come over and hang out. And really we were talking and we kind of just want to get back into that. I think we've used COVID and these other excuses to not do that. Or maybe we're not in shape, you know, of letting people come over. We've kind of lost that uh, workout regime, right? right? We need to bring it back. But we really want to focus on that. And so – I just leave you with this thought you know your kids and, and the youth and the family God has a plan yeah. it's may, it may be not yours yeah. and um, yeah. you just we can't see into the future and that we just have to trust that God is good yeah. and that he knows what's best for everyone yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen.
3: Good job, Gary. Yeah. I'm gonna call an audible very quickly here and one I just want to say both from the staff but also I mean Amanda and I getting to know this church we said this when we were interviewing several well actually it's almost eight weeks ago now uh dun 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 yeah but we were we're very serious about the youth ministry we're thrilled to see the Neelands and the Johnsons go um and I love their conviction and it isn't just personal because it's their own kids but it just comes out of them in terms of the way that they love all of our kids uh and I just wanted to say I think it was I think it was Ken, I think, on the phone, going, Hey, what, did you know that they're, they're going to be coming back in time to share? You know, the, the Neelands and the Johns come back from the conference with enough time to share. What do you think about them sharing sometime? And I was like, Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And I wanted to bring them in front today, and one, I want to really say thank you. Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for going. You guys have jobs. They are not paid staff at the church. While we did pay for them to go, there's also a lot of energy. Uh, we had Grandparents taking care of kids, and Ken Atlanta and were like, We're crazy, just bring your kids over too. And we we're like, Are you delusional? Are you sure? Uh, okay, you know, I mean, of course, we had to accept that invite. Um, but I, I do want to say um, very personally one, thank you guys very much. Yeah. Very much. I think I, I loved hearing that. And I love sometimes, if we're not careful, we can get really, really stuck in our own foxhole. Yeah. And we can kind of, man, we, we've got a lot of our issues, and we can get overwhelmed by that. Um, but I think there are parents, I mean, we, we feel even with God, with a community like this, we feel overwhelmed to parent our kids. Imagine having no one. You're, you're like, I don't even know what book to read. I don't know what website, what YouTube, is this guy a quack? Is this going to be, is this going to turn out right? And we actually come and at least we have people and friends and we have resources. We have conferences. That's actually an amazing gift from God. And so even if you're feeling today, like, man, I, I feel overwhelmed. I really appreciate Gary and Kelsey going, Kind of, you I know, kind of feel like a fraud here. I feel insecure. I feel overwhelmed. <laughs> I love her. We're in complete unity about we are not the people for this job. <laughs> Do you have another couple in mind? Uh, man, I, I, that's how I feel like sometimes. I thought I was the only one. But I think when we look in the military, we look in first responders, yeah. and we see people who go in when it isn't their home and it's on fire, yeah. and when it's not their family, and they resuscitate them. When they run into the fire... Yeah. We don't call that person a fraud. We call them a hero. And I think that's exactly what you guys are. And I think we've got a lot of heroes in this room and youth and family. And and we do this as a village, friends. That's how we do this. We need to do this. We need you. And and I think and I think y'all need us. And I think as we think about this in the future, we're dead serious about our youth ministry. Not just campus. Mm -hmm. Not just the teens. But I think from crib to the to the grade I mean we're, we're thinking about the whole ecosystem we got to get this right and every person in here is a part of that village and I think these these are asking me a few questions one what I love that that mark six what are you bringing to the table here yeah. Yeah. and some of us man you're like well I was an educator for 40 years and was educator of the year 15 times I wonder what my gift might be that I could bring to the church uh I don't know maybe a teacher role of some sort might be helpful I don't know right or some of us man you're like well, I did administration and oversaw you know this this 5 million dollar company uh what do you think I could do well it, administration right you know what I mean like sometimes we go it's it's so obvious to everyone but not necessarily obvious to us and I want to encourage us it isn't a matter of if you're bringing something if you've got a uh, you know a fish if you've got a loaf of bread but what are we all bringing And some of us have felt like we've been maybe in the stands watching the the church game for a while, and it's time to grab our jersey, put it back on, get on the field and go, I don't know which role I'm going to play, but I'm here to play. And I just say Amen. thank you. Thank you for the board. Thank you for the church that is not just wanting to put finances and be connected like this, but I think people who are thinking, praying, they're waking up in the morning thinking about their kids and our kids. Can we just express one more time our yeah. gratitude yeah. for their thoughts and dreams? Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I'm going to invite, I think we have one more song. I'm going to invite the singers to come on up, and this will close our service for today. Amen. And would you all stand, please?